What's up and welcome back to the Locked on Bucks podcast. I am James Yarko joined as always by David Harrison. David, how you doing? I'm doing great, but I'm not doing as well as uh, John Dorsey, who apparently has been hired as the Cleveland Browns next general manager. But there are some rumblings about whether or not the Cleveland Browns have actually satisfied the Rooney rule. So, of course, the Browns can't even fire their GM without some drama. So we'll see how that unfolds. Yeah, the Browns are going to Brown. I saw uh, uh, an alert on my phone that was like, this was the fastest GM hire in NFL history. Um, Makes me think that they might have just interviewed an internal candidate real quick. I mean, like, you know, you're not getting the job. We already have a guy lined up. Yeah. Um, But we'll leave that to the uh, locked on Browns guys. (laughs) <laughs> you can find David and I over at thepewterplank.com where we serve as the co-experts for the fan-sided page dedicated to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And of course, you can always follow us on Twitter at thepewterplank, at LockedOnBucks. I am at jyarko underscore bucks, and David is at dh82 underscore bucks. Tonight, we are going to be uh, diving into the... Week 14 matchup between the Detroit Lions and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Raymond James Stadium, December 10th, 1 o'clock p.m. We're going to discuss some key Lions players. You have some guys to keep an eye on and, and that can make or break this game for either team. We are going to discuss the injury report and some a little bit of news. And we are going to get into our predictions for the game. So with that, David, let's go ahead and jump over to this this matchup between the Bucks and the Lions. And real quick, I mean, it's it's going to be an interesting matchup because you have a, a, an injured Matthew Stafford who's been limited in practice this week with the with a bad throwing hand. And you know, I almost would rather face a one hundred percent Stafford than whoever their backup is for obvious reasons. You know, we tend to turn backup quarterbacks into future hall of famers in the blink of an eye but have you noticed anything about the lions thus far in 2017 you and you and scott smith on thursday show had discussed you know the lions are still in the hunt for the playoffs and and this is definitely a must win for them and the buccaneers can kind of slide into that spoiler role but you know what have you noticed about the uh, about the lions so far this season and, and heading into this sunday yeah, like you said, I mean, the Buccaneers, the, the last four games, the Buccaneers schedule is full of opportunities to play spoiler, and this is the first one. And maybe, uh, depending on how you look at it, their best shot at playing spoiler. So the Detroit Lions, you know, currently sit 6-6 uh, six and six in the NFC North in second place uh, behind the Minnesota Vikings, who uh, seem to pretty much have that on lock, should probably secure that this weekend. But, and, they're, and they're on the fringe of, of the NFL, the, uh, the playoff picture, and, and really they've kind of benefited from some of the uh, the mishaps that have happened on some of the other teams, the the loss of Ezekiel Elliott in Dallas, and the collapse of the Giants there in New York, and and the loss of Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay have really made a six and six Lions team. Uh, you know, they give them a decent shot at making the playoffs. Depending on what happens this weekend, if if Atlanta loses tonight to New Orleans, it definitely gives Detroit the opportunity to climb into that last wild card uh, contention or spot uh, contention for that last wild card spot if they can beat the Buccaneers. But but looking at the Lions team and, and what they've done all season, this is this isn't a, a, a slam dunk win for either side, which you would would pretty much expect for a team like the Buccaneers and a team that's kind of crawling into the playoff picture. 
neither of these teams are world beaters. The Lions only have one win so far in their season against a team with a winning record. But what's really interesting and, and is probably not going to make Buccaneers fans all that happy is that the Lions are actually four and two on the road this season versus two and four at home. So they're they're they seem to be a better team on the road. Um, but they are coming off a two game, a two game losing. They're coming in off a two game losing streak. And something considering what happened in Green Bay last week for the Buccaneers offense, the Detroit Lions are giving up the second most rushing touchdowns so far this year with 16 of them. So that that resurgent resurgent uh, running game all of a sudden with a uh, with with a boost from their returning starter might see a, a possibility of becoming uh, getting a feature role in this week's game and and becoming something that we all talk about after after Sunday is done. Yeah, I did a a focus piece on on Peyton Barber earlier this week at the PeterPlank.com talking about how you know I'm I'm reserving judgment on the running game with Peyton Barber. You know, I don't want to put too much stock into one full game, but I think he's earned himself more playing time. And when I was looking at the Packers run defense compared to the Lions run defense, they were almost neck and neck. I think the Lions are giving up three more yards per game on the ground. And and yeah, as you said, they're they're definitely giving up quite a few rushing touchdowns. So yeah, it'll it'll definitely be interesting to see the way that they utilize uh Barber and, and with the return of Doug Martin and how this running game is going to get going against a, a team that's not so stout against opposing running backs. Coming up in the next segment, David and I are going to dive into some key Detroit Lions players that can really, you know, be the X factors in this game as to whether or not the Lions come away with a win and stay in the playoff hunt or the Buccaneers can get a win in front of their home fans. I'm James Yarko with my co-host David Harrison, and we are talking Lions versus Bucks right here on the Locked on Bucks podcast. We've talked about the the Detroit defense and, and kind of some statistics that stand out from the Lions so far. So I'd like to dive into some players. And I'm going to step away from the defensive side of the ball to start with. And, and I believe that the biggest X factor in this game, especially on the Lions side of the ball, is going to be quarterback Matthew Stafford. He's been limited in practice uh, all week with the with the crazy swollen goofy hand that he's got going on right now but when Stafford is on the field especially against a team that is below 500 he's incredible so far this season I mean he's he's clipping along with 22 touchdowns to only seven interceptions um he has he is incredibly susceptible to being sacked he's already been sacked 39 times this season which says a whole heck of a lot about an offensive line in Detroit that is already going to be missing um, TJ Lang, the guard who is, who has not participated in practice this week. Um, Tackle Corey Robinson has, has been a limited participant. I mean, their, their offensive line is banged up. Their quarterback is banged up. So there could be opportunity there, but 39 sacks this season through 12 games compared to only 37 in 16 games last year. I he's on he's on pace right now to be sacked for the most times in a season in his career. The most he's been sacked was 45 times 
And that was back in uh, 2014. And, I mean, four games left, and, and you know, that's a sack and a half a game. And he's definitely on pace to to beat that. But, I mean, this season Stafford has, has played really, really well. And one of the things that I've noticed is that he really comes on in the second half. And for a defense that tends to struggle late in games, if if this score is close in the second half, I think advantage goes to Detroit based on what we've seen Stafford and this offense do throughout the season, coming back in the second halves of games and staying in games and making those late pushes there in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I think there's no doubt Matthew Stafford is going to have an impact on the game. And, and you talked about how much he's been sacked and, and the possibility of, you know, maybe the Buccaneers being able to get in there against a banged up offensive line. And certainly hope we see that. But but on the other side of the ball, there's also an opportunity from the line side of, of the line of scrimmage. And and that comes with with my my key line player that we're lo- looking at today. And that's Akeem Spence. Uh, I know it's low hanging fruit. You know, sue me. I don't know. Uh, uh, string me up in, in the yard or something. But at the end of the day, players who 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 have a reason to play versus you know uh beyond just the paycheck and the love of the game and and so on and so forth are always a threat to make an impact in a game and Akeem has gone on record this week you know whether some of it is lip service or not but he's looking forward to this game it's it's something he's he's probably had circled on his calendar ever since the schedules came out and you know Spence isn't he's not known as as a real you know a, a legit pass rushing expert or threat by any means uh in fact this season he's got one and a half sacks uh, to his to his total, which which equals the amount he had in his last two seasons in Tampa, and he's got seven in his career, and, and what is his fifth season? So again, not exactly a dominant pass rushing threat there in the middle of the defensive line, but whether it's it's impacting the running game or whether it's trying to get after his his former buddy Jameis Winston, you know, Akeem Spence is definitely a guy who we have to watch out for, and and it's always just a little bit of extra fun when you see a guy who was playing on one side of the sideline play for the other side the next season. That's what we have in this situation. So that's why I got Akeem Spence, and, you know, we'll see how it turns out. Yeah, I I think that's a solid pick. You know, the emotions are going to run high. I think Akeem wanted to stay here and felt a little slighted that that he didn't. Um, And I I fully expect him to be playing at a high level on Sunday, especially against an offensive line that can't seem to protect very well. Maybe the return of Holly is going to help that out. Um. But it's it's going to be tough sledding. Now, somebody that we had talked about on on the pewterplank.com as a a potential Buccaneers target in the offseason is defensive end Ziggy Ansa. Ziggy yep. has not he has not practiced at all this week. So his his availability for this game is a little up in the air, which leads me to look at for for another key. Detroit Lions player is Dwight Freeney with the way yeah with the way that this offensive line was abused in Green Bay Dwight Freeney can be one of those he's not going to play every snap he's not that guy anymore however he is going to be placed in situations where they can tell him look go in there pin your ears back and get get after Jameis he still has the talent to do that he um I don't know if he got in um, last week with the Lions against against the Ravens. He didn't have any tackles or anything, so I'm not sure um, 
I'm not sure yeah, if he he's, got he's credited on NFL.com as having a game appearance, but like you said, no no stats recorded. So I don't know if that's just because he was active or if he actually got on the field. I, I I couldn't tell you that. Yeah, but in his four weeks with Seattle, he had three sacks. So he he still has the ability to get to the quarterback. That is that's that's what Freeney does. I mean, he's gonna be a Hall of Famer. He's an incredible talent. And this this game script with the way that the injury report is looking for the Lions and the way that the offensive line looked against Green Bay, Freeney's going to have opportunity to get after Jameis and to make some big splash plays in that backfield when all he has to worry about is rushing the passer. Yeah, and Freeney has really shown just how valuable veteran specialists can be, you know, and and I mean he's bounced around a little bit, of course, and that's gonna happen to a guy who can't be an every down player and can't be a reliable guy, especially when teams suffer injuries. And you look at the Seahawks defense, they suffered some injuries and probably didn't want to let him go, but kind of had to fill some of those spots. And then, you know, now now he's there with Detroit and uh, again, a team trying to get into the playoffs and, and they're on the edge could definitely use a presence like his and some leadership like his and and all he needs to do is all he needs is two or three third down uh, pass situations, and he can he can turn the game game around in a heartbeat. You know, uh, not hopefully we don't see another situation. You know, like we did with uh, with with a defender running down the field after after a James Winston fumble due to you know the pass rush getting in there on him. But that's exactly why Freeney is in the NFL right now. That's exactly why he's on the Lions roster, and it's 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 very very easy to see something like that happening. If uh, the, if the Buccaneers' offensive line can't can't prevent him from impacting the game. All right. So basically, to to kind of put a nice little bow on it, our our key players for this game on the offensive side, we have Matthew Stafford. I believe he's going to play, and if he plays, he's definitely going to have a huge impact. We have the return of Akeem Spence, little revenge game. He's going to have a little extra chip on his shoulder, have a little extra little extra motor. And then with Ansa being out, we have Dwight Freeney, who's going to get plenty of opportunity on those passing downs to get after Jameis, disrupt this game, perhaps create a turnover. Um, you know, and and you know, these are game-changing players that could – It'll all boil down, you know, in, in at least in my opinion, and I, I'm not to speak for David, but probably in his, it, a lot of this game is going to boil down to th- these three guys and the performance that they have. Yeah, coming up on <laughs> coming up on our next segment, we're going to touch a little bit more on the injuries that we didn't speak about in, in our key Lions players segment. And David and I are going to get into our Buccaneers predictive players of the game. And we're going to predict the outcome of the score for the week 14 matchup between the Detroit Lions and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Raymond James Stadium. Once again, you are listening to the Locked on Bucks podcast. I am James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. David, let's go ahead and jump over to the injury report. What uh, what kind of notable things did you see on on this? You know, for both the Buccaneers and the Lions that we haven't already kind of touched on so far. 
Yeah, so we, we already talked about, you know, Doug Martin kind of, we kind of touched on that. And that's one of the first things Dirk Cutter, you know, let loose in his his conference, his press conference today was that early Thursday morning. Uh, you're, you know, you're listening to this on Friday, recording on Thursday. So early Thursday morning, uh, Robert Ayers and, and Doug Martin were both cleared of concussion protocol. And both of them, you know, they practiced yesterday. Uh, they practiced Wednesday and they practiced today as well. So both of them seem to be, you know, pretty, pretty good for uh, for for Sunday. And should be on the field against the against the Lions. Another guy who was in who has been in concussion protocol and has not been clear is T.J. Ward. You know whether uh, whether or not he's he's going to even appear again this season is really up in the air at this point. But Vernon Hargraves is a, a secondary player that I think the defense has been missing a little bit. I know that sounds a little bit weird just because of how much of a beating he was taken from you know some of the media and the fans during the earlier parts of the season, but. Really, man, once once they moved him inside against Buffalo, you know, we saw a totally different Vernon Hargraves and, and he started playing closer to the line and more aggressive. And it really looked like Vernon was starting to take starting to take uh, some good strides here this season. And then he went out with that hamstring and hamstring injury and just hasn't been able to come back. You know, there's still hope, obviously, or else the team probably would have put him on IR by now. But we've covered it. Hamstrings are tricky and you never know. They could you could you could suffer a hamstring injury and be able to come back the next week. And we've seen guys with hamstring injuries not be able to come back for, you know, half a season even or look right for the rest of the season. You know, uh, we all we all remember probably Mike Evans struggling with a, a hamstring issue of his own not too long ago. So he continues to heal up. And, of course, I think we all want him to to get 100 percent with that before he comes back. And then Joe sure. Hawley, you know, uh, the center that was missing last week because of a because of an illness and. You know the offensive line was a big focal point of criticism and pass protection after the after the Green Bay game, and Jameis went on record kind of defending his guys, saying, "Look, you know this was a unit, this was a five man unit who didn't know they were going to be in that five man configuration until the day of the game because of this illness to Joe Hawley." And there's there's nothing anybody can do about that. You know you you get sick, you get sick. There's no there's no magic pill. There's no bubble that these players are going to sleep in. They're going to live life, and life is dirty and dirty. You know, dirt comes with germs. So it, it happens, you know, but he was a full full participant in practice Thursday. So again, he should be back. And so so a good amount of players coming back and and hopefully that's going to kind of give the Bucks that extra push they needed. You know, I, I have to kind of believe that had those players been able to go last last week, maybe instead of going overtime and losing, you know, on that on that last drive like they did, maybe they find a way to get an extra field goal or, or one of those field goals gets turned into a touchdown. So good to see those guys back on the field for a home game. And, uh, you know, yeah, hope, hopefully they can make an impact. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm definitely excited that we're going to see Joe Hawley back at center. You know, we were expecting him last week. And as you said, he had the illness, he missed the game. Then we had to deal with Evan Smith and all the joys that they came with that. Um, I don't really see anything jumping off of the the injury reports that that we haven't already touched on and that you didn't just recap. So David, how about we go ahead and we jump over to our our key buccaneers of the game. You know, when we when we were doing our walking the plank podcast, every week we would do our predictive offensive and defensive players of the game and our score predictions. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to jump over to that now and um David, you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Uh, either way, I don't care. All right. Well, then we're going to let you go first, and why don't you give us our uh, give us your predictive offensive player of the game? 
So my offensive player of the game is going to be Doug Martin coming back. I mean, there, there's a lot of talk. You know, uh, Doug is is not unfamiliar with talk about his job status and his security. You know, it was asked today during the press conferences. It's been asked by fans on Twitter and in Facebook groups and, you know, I'm sure in call-in shows and, and everything else, you know, uh, a lot was made about Peyton Barber getting that hundred yard game last week. And, you know, I think some of that's being lost a little bit in translation with, uh, with the fact that honestly, the offensive line has never looked as effective as they did last weekend in run blocking. So that had a lot to do with it, I believe, but I think Doug's got a little bit to prove, you know, coming into this week and, and not just for this season or just for himself, but for his future. Cause you know, he's, he's a guy who ever since, ever since his incident went down uh, last year and he got suspended and entered rehab and everything, he's kind of, there's kind of been a sense in a, in a, in a cloud hanging over kind of feeling like maybe he's playing on borrowed time and, and Peyton Barber busting out last week may have just kind of accelerated that clock a little bit. So I, I, like you said earlier in the episode, I, I feel like Peyton has definitely earned some some more carries, even with Doug Martin coming back. You know, the team hasn't really been committal or uh, hasn't really committed to who is really going to be the lead guy. Who and you know, we talked about it all the time with with uh, with lineups. There's a difference between who's who's the starter sometimes and who's the guy that gets the more more carries and and the more touches. So just because Doug Martin is in there on on you know, first and first and 10 with 15 minutes on the clock doesn't mean he's going to get the most touches in the backfield. So it's going to be interesting to see just how this dynamic breaks down with with the Buccaneers and the, and the running back situation. But I think Doug comes in with a chip on his shoulder. The Lions are, are not the best run stopping team in, in the NFL. And if Anza can't go, which I mean, he hasn't he hasn't practiced at all this week. So especially if he doesn't practice tomorrow, but you know, usually if it's, if a guy doesn't practice Wednesday or Thursday, he's probably not practicing Friday and he's probably not a go for Sunday. So this this looks like a defense that might be susceptible to some runs. And if the offensive line can come back with a push up front they had last week, then I think we're going to see Doug running a little bit harder than maybe we have in, in previous weeks uh, just to show everybody that he can still be the be the guy that the Bucks lean on. All right. Well, I um... – I don't disagree, but I do think we're going to see much closer to a 50-50 split between Doug and Barber um, than we will Barber or Martin being the the primary ball carrier like he's been in his other starts. Um, but yeah, hopefully we can – we don't want to repeat of the Buccaneers' offensive line as a whole – from last week, we do want a repeat of the Buccaneers offensive line in the run game from last week because that was that was fun to watch and it, it definitely got Peyton going. Uh correct me if I'm wrong, he's the only one hundred yard rusher for the Buccaneers all season, right? Yep. Yeah. So let's uh let's repeat that performance, but keep Winston upright. Mm-hmm. That'd be nice. <laughs> Beggars can't be choosers though, right? Uh, my offensive player of the game is going to go to the person that I've, I've predicted to be my offensive player of the game a few times this year. And it's always come a week early. Every time I've predicted him, he's done really well the following week, not the week I've said it. So if it doesn't work this week, start him in your fantasy lineup in the playoffs next week. I'm taking OJ Howard. Uh, I think Howard's going to be in for a, a solid game for whatever reason. 
the the Winston Evans connection is struggling a little bit this year. The Winston Djax connection has struggled all year. And as we saw last week and something that David and I really harped on all all week uh here on the Lockdown Bucks podcast is the almost overuse of Cameron Brait. I think if the Lions are keying in on Cam Brait because they have a guy like Darius Slay on on Mike Evans, you know, and and if they're only using Djax in that deep passing situation, I think some plays are going to open up for OJ Howard in the middle of the field, maybe on that tight end seam where they're looking for Cam Brait to run it. They'll hit him with OJ Howard. We might get one of those little annexation of Puerto Rico plays where somehow uh, OJ Howard ends up all by himself without a, another human being within 30 yards of him. Um, but I think this this game is going to set up well for OJ to to be a big performer. You know, I'm thinking he'll probably get four or five receptions and and a touchdown this week. That's fantastic prediction, and I can't wait for that to come true December 18th <laughs> on Monday Night Football in Tampa against the Falcons. Yeah, there we go. The uh, – oh, man, that's – We'll get into it next week. I'm not looking forward to that game. Uh, David, who is going to be your predictive defensive player of the game? Ryan Smith. And I think, without a doubt, Ryan Smith is is the guy. Yeah, I mean, I almost went with the linebacker. But honestly, Theo Riddick, uh, Theo Riddick is, a, is a guy who, you know, they could, they could push him to the left. They could push him to the right. They could, they could dump him over the middle. So there's really not like one linebacker I could really key in on 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 the Buccaneers containing Riddick in the passing game for Detroit. So, you know, if, if I can't key in on one guy, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to do my best to key in on one guy, and that's gotta be Ryan Smith. I just I don't see the Lions not doing everything in their power to get Golden Tate lined up against Ryan Smith. You don't want to go after Brent Grimes, at least not consistently. So, you know, I, I just think that the athleticism of of Golden Tate, the veteran savvy that he's got, the experience he's got, Ryan, you know, if if he can't stay on his feet, Golden Tate is just going to break his ankles all day and, and equipment managers are going to get fired or something, you know? Uh, so I don't know if, if I'm a, if I'm a, if I'm a Lions coach, I'm looking at that matchup and I'm looking at the way that, uh, you know, Ryan Smith kind of struggled to stay on his feet and on some moves and stuff in, in the recent, in some of the recent games. And I'm using that to my advantage with my most agile receiver. And then I'm putting Jones over there on Brent where at least he's got some size that maybe we can take advantage of. And, and, you know, uh, on the rare occasion that we do go after Brent Grimes. So that's why I'm kind of looking at Ryan. I think if Ryan Smith has a, has a bad day, then Golden Tate goes off. Uh, if Ryan Smith can, because, you know, he's no slouch in the athleticism department. So if Ryan Smith can, can play smart and, and keep Golden Tate in front of him and, and at least keep him from getting to the outside, you know, that's, that's going to be the key. Even if, even if Tate gets a catch against you, uh, Mr. Smith, if, if you happen to hear this, uh, just don't let him get to the sideline. You know, don't let him get around you there, and I think we'll be okay. All right. Well, that that took me by surprise a little bit, but I I like what uh, I like your thought process there, and and what you kind of Shock see happening. That's what I do. Shocking. <laughs> All right, David. My defensive player, predictive player of the game, is going to be Gerald McCoy. Yeah, nice. he's among he's among the lead the league leaders in quarterback hits you and you and Scott Smith. And for anyone that didn't hear the interview with Scott Smith, please go back and listen to Thursday's episode. 
Scott gave some incredible stuff. We were really happy to get him on the podcast. I can't wait until we can have him on again. And and I get to talk to him about Skyline Chili. Skyline uh, Chili. <laughs> That's not going to be a good conversation. Just Oh, it's happening. <laughs> it's happening. Um, and, and I've already gone over the, <clears throat> the issues that the Detroit Lions offensive line are, is having with letting Matt Stafford be sacked 39 times through 12 games. The opportunity is going to be there. And I think this is a game where Gerald really steps up. Yeah, and it's hard for him to to step up any more than he already does. Yeah. But he will definitely see plenty of opportunities to get after Matt Stafford. And here's not only is he my predictive defensive player of the game, but here's my bold prediction for the game. Gerald McCoy, two sacks. Two sacks in this game by McCoy alone. That'll put him at seven on the season. Um, I just, nobody in the NFL is as good as Gerald McCoy at getting off the ball. And if the Lions offensive line is struggling as much as, as the stat sheets say, or if they're, you know, mirror images of the Buccaneers offensive line in, in, in pass protection, Gerald McCoy and, and that defensive line might have a field day. Possibly, and, and I really hope your bold prediction comes true. I can see it. The only reason I have some doubts on it is because if the edge, if the edge defenders can't get upfield and get pressure and kind of collapse that pocket uh, from the from the outside, there Stafford's going to be able to shift, you know, either to his left or his right to avoid McCoy sure. too easily for McCoy to actually come away with sacks. Um, but it's definitely possible. It's easily possible because. Gerald McCoy, and that's something that you know it, uh, we talked about. I talked about with Scott last night, and it, it's not really the the first time that we've had this conversation. But Gerald McCoy, I mean, if if he penetrated offensive lines any more than he already is, he would actually be snapping the ball for the opponent. Like that's that's the only way he could be in their offensive line any more than he already is. There, it, it's, it's just, just amazing. So yeah, it's just amazing how quick he is off the snap, um, and and how disruptive he is up front. You know, so. I the only <clears throat> I don't I don't want to wish that it doesn't happen. Obviously, I'll, I'll I'll listen to these these gripes all day. But the only negative side to to Gerald McCoy coming away with two sacks or even more next week or uh, this weekend would be the amount of people who would come out and say, "Well, why isn't this the Gerald McCoy we see every week?" Yeah. And you know that's that's just annoying. But or if he gets a sack in the first quarter and a sack in the third quarter, you'll have the people. Well, he didn't get one in the fourth quarter. Yeah, uh, we will have those guys, but. You know, hey, it is what it is. Uh, like Scott said, you know, uh, someday his his uh, his time will come, and and Bucks fans will will appreciate him uh, across the board because he's he's definitely one of the franchise greats already, and he's just he's just getting better. And then, uh, so someday his name will be up there in the Ring of Honor, and, and we'll be able to, we'll all be able to celebrate him together. Finally, I'm interested to see Will Clark though. I know Will Clark took some heat last week, but Will Clark's been kind of uh, he's 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 done some things that have surprised me and he's, he's made an impact that I never really expected him to make. And I kind of think he's, he's at least playing his way into to assuring himself an invite to, to training camp next week and, and, a, and a real honest shot to make the roster. Um, I don't know. I just, maybe, maybe I'm alone in it, but I've, I've seen some things in Will Clark that I'm starting to like, and 
the more the more opportunities he gets, the the better the better he looks. And I know uh, Robert's coming back over there, and he's going to take over that starting job, obviously. But I'm interested to kind of see if maybe the Bucks start some rotational work with him with William Golston, because we know you know as as great as Golston is, he's not really the uh, get up field and, and rush the passer type of guy. So I kind of wonder if we might see Clark fill in there a little bit and get get some opportunities to play along those guys. So just just a little nugget to throw out there. I like it. I like it. Yeah, Clark has definitely provided a little bit of a spark, and and I've enjoyed watching him. So it'll be interesting to see how they get those guys in and out and and try to take advantage of a of a Lions line that is not doing a great job of protecting Matt Stafford. So, David, we are coming up on on closing time, so why don't you go ahead and give us your score prediction for the game? My score prediction for the game is going to be 24 to 20 uh Detroit. Okay. Um I just the the way that uh you know the the soft the soft zone coverage just doesn't work and the Lions have, you know, they don't have a, a plethora of weapons as you would say, but they've got enough and and Matt Stafford, you know, if if he's healthy enough to play, he's definitely a guy that can put put some points up. Uh and I, I just I feel like that uh, they're going to do it and and you know the Bucks offense has been struggling. You know, Jameis, I got it, you know, coming off of three weeks of no throwing and, and or limited throwing the last week there before he played. And uh even with even with the improvement in the running game last week, I just I just feel like the 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 the, the, the degradation of the pass coverage or the pass protection is just too much for me to have any confidence uh moving into this one as far as victories are concerned. Um at the end of the day, I think that the Bucks end up being behind there late in the game, forced to pass. And like you kind of said, I think that's when Dwight Freeney comes in. The Lions pass rush really gets going. And if that offensive line can't put it together, then Jameis just isn't going to have the time to do the things that we need him to do to bring the team back at the end of the at the end of the game. So that's that's just kind of how I see it shaking out. You know, uh be I would be more than happy to be wrong. And uh, but that's just kind of the way I see it shaking out. Yep, I am right there with you. I'm going to take the Lions in this one, 31 to 23. Uh, I think it's going to be a close game um, throughout. I mean, legitimately from beginning to end, I think it's going to be close. But as I alluded to earlier, when when the games are close and the Lions are involved in the in the second half, they come on and they find a way to get it done, especially on the road. So. I think uh, I think the Lions are going to come away with a W in this one, and and as you said, hopefully we see some improved offensive line play. And I just I have a hard time trying to pick the Bucks right now. There's it seems like as soon as one thing gets fixed, another thing goes wrong, and it just it, it adds more doubt to to the way we look at this team. But David, I think that's going to just about do it for us. Do you have anything else? Nope, uh, I'm I'm good. Looking forward to seeing the game on Sunday and hoping that my prediction, my final prediction anyway, is wrong. Yeah, same here. We can get our, our players of the game right, but let's get the final score wrong. So make sure you're following us on Twitter at the Pewter Plank at Locked on Bucks. I am at Yarko underscore Bucks. David is at DH82 underscore Bucks. And make sure you're checking out everything we're doing over at thePewterplank.com. And we'd like to thank you for joining us here all week long, Monday through Friday on the Locked on Bucks podcast.